0: Hello and welcome to the latest madaxman.com army list ADLG podcast in which I'm joined by Richard and Dave and we dive into a matched pair of historical armies this time in another new experiment for this format. This time we're looking at the Hundred Years War, an army in which the English and French effectively came to be as nations but really it's about Crecy, it's about Agincourt, it's about Poitiers and it's about a load of other smaller battles that weren't recorded and it's about English longbowmen and French chivalry. Two famous lists, two maybe not so popular lists. Want there on the table, but we're going to hopefully show you how. So sit back and enjoy the podcast. This means war. Well, welcome to yet another um, list special from madaxman.com. I'm joined here as usual for these list specials by Richard and Dave. Hello everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You almost waved there Richard. That doesn't really work podcast wise, but um but we're, we're getting better at this. Uh, we're struggling towards it. It's all good. And um and in our uh, trot through the the popular but under underachieving maybe um lists of the world or, or lists of the um ADLG army list book or, or booklet section this time we're actually looking at two lists in parallel which are are something of a matched pair and um and actually mark quite a important part in military history and an important part in political history in in the structure of Europe and that's really the period of the hundred years war um and the more specifically the English list and the, the French list it's you know it's a legendary war it's got the the great battles of Cressy and Poitiers and Agincourt it's got Joan of Arc it's it's got the move from from a sort of yeoman soldiery and chivalry into into more professional armies. It's got the foundation of of two countries, really. Uh, but from a wargaming point of view, it's got longbowmen. And um they're usually so cool that most sets of rules make up a special troop type for them. And, and I think that's kind of one of the the interesting questions as well. But um, you know, other than that, it is by definition a hundred years, um, or more than a hundred years if you look at the the dateline and it, it is famous for certainly from the English side um three battles but given I believe the French ended up winning um I suspect there's some other battles that the French won um, the English lost that, that we don't get taught so much about over here but um and then there's kind of peripheral people around the edges there's the low countries there's the Burgundians there's the Scots as well who all kind of drift in and out and are our secondary characters on this this particular stage, and uh, and that is all set against that backdrop of of military evolution. But um, I don't sort of over to you guys. What you know, looking into these lists is this a period that you know, you'd you were surprised about how much depth there was in it? Was it one that you knew quite a bit before about, or, or what have you been surprised about digging into the background of these lists?
1: I think one of the the interesting, just sort of looking at the history, it's it's quite interesting to see. As you said, it's, it's the real crystallization, perhaps, of English and French nationalism and the shift from essentially feudal armies to professional paid armies uh, for the first time in a thousand years. Um, so, so that's quite a shift, as you say, the rise of infantry versus the knights that are dominated in the sort of 11th to 13th centuries both the longbowmen and by the end of the period, the rise of pikemen uh, is beginning to come through, um, both in the low countries, Switzerland, and, and to a degree Germany. Um, so, so it does point, uh, mark some very significant social, national and military changes. And as always, war uh, forces that, but also we have to remember that in the middle of the war, we had a catastrophic plague in the form of the black death which also i think had some fairly major impacts on on society and the outcome of the war
0: Yeah and, and i think picking out one thing from that the um the um the longbow which i mentioned in my my preamble um in an era that if you go back you know you can see how the knight evolves from chivalry and and they're just kind of good and effective and but before that, you know, the the Norman period and the, the early part of the medieval period, it seemed to be knights versus lines of slightly subpar spear people. Um, and and then the longbow kind of appears as the the Uber weapon to to change it. Now, to what extent and you know, we all have these stories of of skeletons from the Mary Rose with with a huge one of their arms much bigger than the other and things like that coming up. So how did how did this weapon so seemingly, sort of spring from nowhere and then become the preeminent weapon, and then, then I guess to an extent, fade away um, to to some degree after after this. Where where did it just come from to to become a completely almost new weapon class that works well? Certainly, wargaming terms, a new weapon class.
1: So it emerges in uh, in Wales, particularly South Wales, from from what we can see, and it's adopted by the Anglo Norman. Um, barons in that area, see its benefit and begin to use it. So it's used in the Clare's invasion of Ireland, for example, and and it's particularly picked up by Edward I, um, who faces it when he's facing the Welsh, but then uses it in his armies against uh, the Scots. And his reign is really a reign of transition. Um, And you see it in in the sort of uh, the late feudal English lists where you still have a lot of mounted knights, but you're using them with longbow. And then the the shift in the the sort of 1320s is that armour tends to shift from essentially chainmail with a bit of plate reinforcing to you begin to see the emergence of full plate mail and the English start to fight predominantly on foot. The English knights and men at arms start to fight on foot. And we see the emergence then of the the English military system that persists for the next hundred or so years and is eventually copied by the Scots and and elements of it are adopted by the French. So one of their tactics against the longbow is to dismount. And the rules reflect that, you know, uh, a foot knight is much more resistant to longbow fire um, than a mounted heavy knight, and as long as it doesn't, it's in open country, the foot knight will will normally beat the longbowman. But in broken ground, and the English were usually fortunate or careful enough to have the battlefields include muddy fields or other broken ground, the knights too slow, and the firepower tends to tends to overwhelm them not necessarily directly, but what the longbow tends to do historically is it pushes the knights into column and they then head for the English men-at-arms on fairly equal terms, but the flanks of those columns are then chipped away at by the longbow, um, eventually leading to to French exhaustion and and collapse. Uh, We see that in in a number of the battles.
0: It, I suppose it's an interesting question in terms of you know you talk about Edward adopting this and rolling it out and and then at some point by um is it Shakespearean times you know, everybody's training to be a longbowman instead of playing football or something something slightly surreal like yeah that, there
1: are laws passed to that effect and I think what that also you mentioned Shakespeare it's quite interesting we see um through time you know in the early part of the war you might have one or two men at arms for each longbowman, uh, and a lot of actual knights are still fighting in the armies of Edward III. By the time we get to Henry V and later, we're seeing the ratio shift to maybe one man at arms to four, and later even eight uh, longbowmen. So a real shift and. That's partly expense. You know, the the knights, I think, were paid three or four times what the longbowmen were paid. We get more men at arms who were paid as squires at half the rate of a knight. Um, And the actual term for archers in the payroll is is often valet, you know, servant. So perhaps that also shows us, you know, the evolution of um, some of the longbowmen were coming from the personal retinue of, of, of the knights. Uh, but I think because of that, because of the cost, we, we see a much greater adoption of these yeomen and that's paralleled by the rise in Flanders of the pikemen and so a real shift in pride. So it's the, it's the quote-unquote lower orders who are doing a lot of the fighting and so their sense of pride and I think that's partly why they're able to resist the mounted knights better is that they have confidence in themselves and so are more steadfast. The reason a lot of the earlier medieval spear isn't so good is that when threatened by charging knights, the sheer rumble of the ground and their lack of confidence means they often actually broke before contact. Um, Whereas we we see the shift in psychology uh, as part of the broader social changes. And that's also connected to the Black Death uh, because that increases the wages of the poor.
0: Right, just by um, by stripping out a number of people from the landscape. By, the, less competition, yes. so
1: the, by had, the competition, yes. So lords had, everyone had to pay more to get work done.
0: Right, okay. Because that, I, right. I think yeah.
2: it's... I Sorry the black Dave, you
0: don't black... chip about the Black Death? Um... No, the Black
2: Death ends uh, to some extent you know, you get the lack of serfs. That changes the whole social order of the countries, you know. I think that's very true. I think the other... I mean, I think Rich has covered that very completely. Um, you've got two different systems creating in parallel, haven't you? You've got the English taking the longbow, the Scots take up the spear, the pike as well, as the low countries, and those are peasant... These are peasant weapons. And, you know, you move... What was... What was not
0: happening then in what was not happening in France for them to still stay much more uh, you know a mounted nobility was that was that cultural was that was that Black Death related thing? It didn't touch France quite as as hard as it did here because it's certainly the the textbook view of these battles is is the English you know trained peasant soldiery with their longbows um, you know, raining down down death on posh french knights who were too too posh to get off their horses initially um were they just behind on it was it the longbow it just was
2: lucky that it was in wales or was there a cultural shift that was going on as well i'll chip in on that that there was this i mean from what i know from what i did from medieval there was a big notion of chivalry in france greater than in brit in england probably so they, they you know their military their militarism was based around the concept of chivalry so their fighting was done by the knights. And I just think they had more knights to uh, call on. And, and the English army, which, you, you know, you, I think we said this earlier, that you're talking of, at the beginning of this, you're talking about a civil war between two French states, in effect, going to war, which is, you know, the English knights and the English aristocracy, spoke French, and they were fighting over their, what the English nobility saw as their rights to have land in France. So what begins as a civil war gradually changes, probably, as you are saying, through the Black Death to some extent and to the change of warfare. And these are raids conducted by semi-professional army. Cressy, there, there may be a force in the English, to, you know, at, just before Cressy, they're, they're almost starving to death in Northern France. They're trying to march across the landscape to escape the, the French army. And they've lost their horses. They've lost a lot of their um, equipment, and they're forced back on this new method. Of, and they they kind of discover this new method of w- way of warfare by accident.
0: Yeah, because I think that's another interesting point. It's it's a hundred or it's one hundred and twenty years or so, and and we know of these three battles. And, and I'm sure there are, are what famous battles if if we'd gone to school in france about when the french win at the end but but there's only three of these set piece battles in this hundred years war that, that are the famous three but the lists then i guess do you feel these lists are written for those three battles or do they cover all of these presumably smaller raiding actions and you know great great marches around um around france by by bands of of english people um, pillaging the countryside do you think the lists are geared just towards the three battles or or do they actually work at a much smaller scale to, to recreate some of these other mixed arms forces?
1: I think they're more aimed at the large battles. I mean ADLG is a large battle set. It isn't trying to model the, those smaller wars. And a lot of those words you say were raids and sieges. Um, that's where a lot of medieval um, battle strategy would or war strategy would revolve on is, is the taking of cities the the control of, of provinces. I do think and again, you know, there's uh, there's if you were actually trying to recreate one of the specific battles, you could do it from the lists. But as I've mentioned earlier, probably you have a bit too much freedom um, in in the list. Uh, you know earlier phases the ratios maybe should be different to later. but at the end of the day the, the list writer while they're trying to capture the essence of the period has also got to give um, you know when you've only got 20 to 30 units, units. you've got yep. to allow some freedom um, in, in order to put down uh, a, a playable four. So I think they're, I think the list the lists are good but you would want to tweak them a bit if you were actually you know, trying to do the order of battle for a specific event that, that's well-documented.
0: So maybe then it's one of those lists, like the those couple of early Roman ones where it could almost do with an advisory note to say, you know, if, if you want to recreate the English army of Cressy, Prattier, Agincourt, you should have a ratio of, of two to one, four to one, yeah. something like that, yes. possibly. But. Um, but, you know the trouble that that's got everybody into with the confusion on those early roman lists maybe it's maybe it's best it's left off really otherwise we'd all be answering questions online about it from people for years well it come. would
1: it has to be when, when it's advisory or informational it needs to be clearly marked as that rather than
0: prescriptive be in. because otherwise yeah. it well, i think it, in, it in the case of those confusing. roman lists maybe it just needs to be better translated um because I, th- I understand the french list actually says this is advisory um okay it was just translation. okay well look as, as we're on talking on the list um what we've what we've decided to do this week is to really look at we've we chipped in with an English list each and a French list each to cover this it's almost a matched pair um of armies and um and let's start with Dave Um, I think we've got your English list which I'll just pop up on screen here now um for and this is an English list in 1340 um there's obviously a reason for choosing that specific date Um, Aha! It's um, it's the Low Countries. You snuck in a Low Countries ally now. now. I guess. Well, talk us through how this list works, and um, and remind us why the
2: Low Countries are involved um, as well. I guess. I I will leave Richard to explain the Low Countries you know participation. Um, what I've tried to do with this list is um. The first mission was to get a large enough army. I mean, there's some very expensive troop types and foot knights and longbowmen. Um, I've managed to get 23 into the army, which that, I think is that's quite That's big. Beautiful. That's very big for a late late medieval army, definitely. Yeah. And the the main way of doing that was to use the low country's ally because you've got a few troop retreats. But overall, you've got three commands. I've tried to go for balance here. Um, I've got one command, which has got a good amount of medium foot, light foot to hold terrain. One command, which has got a a knight component to fight in the open and support the pike. And the pike, the low country ally, which will go chomping down the centre of the table, we hope. Um, Obviously, because it's allied, you want it in the centre to give it more chance of activating if it throws a one. And so the low Country's ally list, part of the component is as I say, it's trying to be quite cheap. So I've got four pikemen mediocre who've got it's two... Great light value troop type,
0: really yeah, great value troop really, type,
2: yeah. I mean, the Scots army in this period is a fantastic list. You know, that's a, a shocker, that is. Um, because they're mediocre, you need the two lightfoot bowmen to protect them. I'd love to have more in actual fact, but I think that's a difficulty. Um, they're there just to protect those guys from shooting. Yeah. You've got to have a foot knight in that low country ally. So I've made him the general. So I guess he'll sit in the center of that group. Um, a foot knight general is a very good piece. He's, he's a very, very powerful piece. I mean, he will probably be the one who does the damage in there. Um, I fought about battle with Tommy Warden in, from Ireland once, and I think I had to hit a foot knight general from all four sides before I killed it. <laughs> yeah. you know, really difficult. So that's the centre of the army. Command One has got the four longbow, and it's also got two B-Day light infantry javelin elite. So I almost hope that I, you know, I might want to get a piece of rough, uh, difficult terrain there. Shove those two B-Days bidets, bidets in there to hold that piece of difficult terrain. I mean, light infantry javelin with. Being elite is a very, very powerful force. You know, they will hold up a piece of difficult going, if not hold it entirely. Um, I probably tend to try, you know, if I have a field, I tend to put the four long bowmen together in a field maybe. Four is is a big number
0: because in your, you know, almost every other list you've coughed up so far for for here, you've put two bowmen in together. But here you've gone four. Is there a... a is there a magic number with two or three or four is is four much better than three um yeah does the shooting scale up
2: somehow? do you feel I think shooting becomes very very powerful um I tend to use two bowmen to support cavalry ca- support knights and things like that you know to add the shoot to shoot their way in you know if, if there's a piece of terrain of the right I mean if you had a if you had a hill with a field on it you are not going to shift four long bowmen off that hill and you're going to find it difficult to shift them out of the field um Mm. it's it's that massive amount of firing the fact that you can slightly edge them so two long bowman shoes at one piece you're going to cause hits i think you're going to get three hits out of four most rounds with that lot and you know you get two to three shots as any troop type comes in towards you there's no medium there's not very many medium infantry in this period so you're not going to get medium infantry, you know, even if medium infantry spear came at you, you're going to shred them with bow fire to make it an even fight and you're elite.
0: Um, yeah, I suppose four is a very wide unit. Most people are going to be putting, if you've got medium foot, they're struggling to put two or three together really, aren't they? So you are going to be doubling up on the shooting on anything
2: coming at you. And then and then, then the rest can, of that command- Then um, you've got four foot knights, including another knight general, um, fourth. Uh, Sorry, three-foot foot foot knights and halberdier, who's damn good. The halberdier can support the longbowmen, but you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be putting those foot knights down the centre of the table in support of the pikemen. So you're gonna be trying to get, you know, those. Okay. Yeah. So you've
0: got four pikemen and the foot knight with the Low Countries. Then you've got another exactly. four foot knights and halberdiers. So you're you're up to nine wide of proper combat stuff, plus exactly. the four longbowmen who are, are winning any terrain battle. Kind of almost in the Middle Ages in a way, unless they come up against those Swiss alderdeers. But um, so that's yeah. actually giving you quite a lot of frontage with with this
2: thing. So what about your um your third command then? That's much okay, more Um, you need something which is. I mean, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm thinking that's the, the not the foot knight's first command is one wing. This is the other wing. It's going to go down the centre table. Hopefully, the pike are going to support those three knights impetuous um and they do they, are, um, do they
0: dismount in this period i'm trying to think who what where it, can those um impetuous knights dismount i imagine as well if need be
2: i don't think they're allowed to they're not they're not All given right. the option i mean if they're facing some sort of um sure. they okay. can dismount you know that would be okay. great even if you're facing that and um i've done my regular trick there i've got a long bowman and a crossbowman to support the knights work on the outside possibly in assistance with a medium cavalry impact that medium cavalry impact can sit behind the bowmen and threaten anything which comes towards them but the the idea there is that the knights included general and the three knights and petras go forward and you want to bring those crossbow and the longbow out past them on the wing to start shooting them in and trying to get into the flanks of things um yeah i think it's, it's it's quite a flexible army i think there's a lot going in its favour particularly the numbers I think that there's definitely an art I mean I've got three included generals just to try and get myself up to 23 there's an art yeah and they're all
0: ordinary as well aren't they which is remarkably notable yeah. especially one with heavy knights and Petrus um that's quite <laughs> I,
2: figure, I, I figure on being the defender here and you know with a with an allied pike mediocre ally um you want to make sure he's moving the ball anything and if you're defending you get an extra piece of terrain which you hope will help out as well
0: yeah yeah because i suppose you're, you know unless you're fighting in in period you're not going to be seeing that many other other longbowmen so um richard what's what's your thoughts on this one so i think it,
1: it you know like every list pluses and minuses so the pluses are the raw number of troops and you know a lot of very useful troops a, a, a strong fighting line um Disadvantages, as we've said, yeah, having all the generals as ordinary means and, and having no um, light horse re, uh, means it's that th- each of the commands has to stay quite tightly grouped. It's very easy if you if the generals on one end of the line, it's very easy for the other end to be out of command range if you want to move it as an individual unit rather than as part of the group. Two of the commands are potentially unreliable, um, which, as Dave says, if you're on the defensive, isn't the end of the world. Um, But it does mean that there's perhaps a danger that the opponent could try and screen off one or two of the commands and concentrate on on the remaining part. But each bit is strong. So even if they do that, they're not going to have an easy job. And the chances are that they will activate at least one of the commands if it is unreliable by closing in. So, you know, I I think it would be fun to play, um, but I think it would be, you'd have to practice with it a few times or you have to be comfortable fighting with a low amount of command and control. And if they become committed to combat, potentially n- no command and control. <laughs> and control so control. you are relying on the fighting qualities of the army. So it's about keeping that to be successful with it. It's about keeping the tactics simple, which I think suits this kind of army because it it can stand and shoot or it it can charge in. Mm. I don't
2: think um, yeah, it doesn't want to fight any mounted um over armies but then he's got the longbow. I mean there's an argument you could drop one of the longbows from the first command and that will give you 11 points to bring you know commanders up to competent stop them being included or unreliable that's one argument but then it, it, it is what it does on the tin it's uh it's this period I've designed it to be representative so go for yeah it. no I think it's yeah. a it's a good version of that period yeah
0: yeah, I suppose if yeah, if you were just tweaking it, if you swapped out one of those four longbowmen for a second crossbowman, yeah. you'd save yourself four points, which would, which would then either make one of your generals competent or not included. Because i just looking at that, I think a, a spectacular total points cost for your generals of minus fifteen. I think that's <laughs> that's possibly that's possibly the lowest it's possible to get, isn't it? I don't think you can do
2: more than that. Um, no, minus You've fifteen. That's that no, absolutely... But that yeah, the the other argument I would have, if you if you're going to use somewhere to drop a base, you might want to be looking at raising those four pikemen from mediocre to ordinary and making even tougher in to a fight, you know, because the Low Countries ally don't have to be mediocre, they can be ordinary. I think they're allowed four or something like that. Whether that actually works in terms of the ally, I'm not sure. But there's yeah, if you're allowed four,
0: you'd be allowed two, wouldn't you? You could you could yeah, bump two of them up to um up to, um, that up might to be mediocre. And, um, you probably and up on the longbowmen for another crossbowman.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look, so okay. just a quick
1: comment yeah. on the history. Yeah. The, the reason yeah. the Low Countries became involved is that the um, the English had a, a huge bit of their export trade was selling right. wool to f- the Flanders cities um, for them to make into cloth, and um, at this the whole point of the war was who should be the King of France, you know, did, did, did Edward III have a better claim through his mother, or or the French nobles wanted what they would regard as a truly French uh, king. So the half-brother of the Count of Flanders uh, dis- got the agreement of Edward III to support him as the true count. He swore homage to him And a number of the Flemish cities, particularly Ghent and I think Bruges, then use that as an opportunity to legitimately rebel because they could claim they were supporting the true king and the true count. Um, Hence why in this early part of the war, those cities provide allied troops um, to the army. And often the the English um, armies were marching between sort of Normandy and Flanders through through northern France quite a few of the campaigns do that
0: okay so is this a um one of those allies that was theoretically possible or is, is there record of of um you know low countries citizens participating in in some of these combats
1: um I'm I'm I don't know whether they actually they didn't fight in any of the big battles, but certainly um, they were up they were in arms in support of the English. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure that they ever fought together, but possibly an army like this, which would perhaps which isn't perhaps a royal English army, but, but represents some English nobles with some Flemish troops, uh, is a very plausible army for thirteen forty. I, I think I APLT
2: you, lists are pretty accurate. If you know, I think there must have been at least one occasion when the English had some low country in there as they would have put field. it field. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, you know, it's certainly not the king unless um he's letting himself be an ordinary included general at minus three points. That's um <laughs> that's not really doing your um, your world but of exactly very very well, is it? No, okay. All right. Well look, that's that's the first list done. This means war. But look, that's one English list in thirteen forty, and if we um, if we move on, I think looking at it, Richard, I think one of your lists is also thirteen. No, um, is also thirteen forty. So, yeah. um, if I can if I can try and throw that one up on screen, um, let's just get the screen share working properly, and it's thirteen forty. Um, here we go. So you've got twenty two. Another another good number because it's north of twenty for this one. Um, you've also got zero initiative but you've you've oh you've you've really gone big with a competent general um on this one you've got the the Germans the medieval Germans and um and a nine a five and an eight um so talk us through this which which one would you see going down first or which which command do you want to talk about um in which order for this one
1: well sort of just sort of working through it I think probably um the Because the English basically is all foot, I went for the German to give me a mounted impact um, strike command. So the two English commands, uh, the smaller one first is three heavy foot, one of which is included elite knight general and two heavy spearmen, supported by two longbowmen. So I would probably deploy that in the centre with the two longbowmen between that command and the German command.
0: All right, so they, they can support the support shoot them knights. They can provide
1: support shooting to, to the Germans. The idea of taking the spearmen is to just make it tougher against the French mounted. So I think that combination... The spearmen will make the French knights a little more hesitant about just ploughing in. If they do, it increases the survivability of the line and perhaps gives the English um, foot general a a chance to really grind in on its opponent, assuming he survives the first round. Um, The other English command then, you know, I would be, depending on the terrain, uh, it has a number of longbowman with a a crossbowman just to sort of pad out the shooting a bit. And if there was a flank field, they would go into that. Otherwise, I would probably have them providing the link um, to command two, or I might run all the the heavy foot together depends on the situation. But what you've got there is, you know, a little bit of rubbish to pad it out. But it just gives it means you know with the medium swordsman you've got four troops plus a light infantry javelin that can go into rough that lined infantry might just turn the odds and the idea of the hobble art is probably just to hang around behind the line and plug a hole if one appears but if the tactical opportunity presents itself it can swing wide and threaten the flank
0: yeah actually just just looking at those brigands that medium swordsman um medium swordsman mediocre It's a pretty dreadful troop type, but in this micro period, um, it's not like the French get loads of good terrain troops either, is it? That's kind of as good as anything that's going to find in there, really.
1: Well, I've often played Hubert using, he often uses the Hundred Years' War French, and he uses this troop type effectively because it's not very good, but when it's facing nothing or it's just (laughs) facing a light infantry um, in the rough, it it can be quite potent and it can threaten the flank. And the big thing is because everything often costs 8, 11, 14 points, there it is at 5, it can really help you grow the army into the low 20s instead of having an army of 19.
0: Yeah, just by existing, it makes the rest of the stuff more survivable. Because the army is going to last longer and and nothing's going to come in there and get it, is it?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, The Germans themselves then... Um, I think I, I picked up on our now sort of fairly standard idea of having some spearmen to support mounted. What I like about this combination is that I would, rather than having the knights on the outside, I'd probably have the crossbowman on the outside, then the spearmen, then then the knights, and then the longbow of command two. So you've now got quite a nice mixed line with quite a bit of shooting, um, some sort of durability with the heavy spearmen and some punch with the impact knights. Um, so all in all, quite a, quite, um, quite a mixture of troop types, a reasonable size. Um, yeah, I, I'm not in love with it, but, but out, out, out of what I think is a very challenging list, i feel this is something that i could put down against any opponent and and, and have a chance
0: yeah that that german command with cut the crossbow and couple of spearmen three heavy night impacts and a mounted crossbow that is a proper little all-arms command isn't it really yeah that, that does that does do quite a lot and then your final command is just the textbook um well actually there's more spearmen as well you, you've gone six spearmen in the army so it's it is designed to fight the french when they're all on horses isn't it
1: exactly yeah yeah the the spearmen hold them off and the it's really against anybody the spearmen are there to hold people off and to hang on while the longbow and the knights do the damage
0: okay and then you've got um you've gone for the minimum number of of archers um as well the english archers the four uh, you, you you padded them out with some crossbowmen. and the germans obviously have to have crossbowmen as as well instead of the, the longbow were you tempted to at any point to say you know is it because the longbow are too expensive are they not good enough do they not what, what do they not do given they are the the troop type for this army
1: well to me it's the spirit of the period i think at this period the english were weren't using that many longbows that was much more later on. So I thought, well, I'll be in the spirit, and I and I, I think they are expensive, and I wanted those impact nights. So I think if you go for the impact nights, you know, if you change a couple of spearmen at eight to elite longbow at eleven, I mean, if you could take ordinary longbow at nine, I'd have a few more. But with the choice being eleven or nothing, yeah, I think you've either got to base your army on them or take the minimum. In my
2: view, okay, Dave, what's what's your thought looking at this one? I think I think it's very similar to the list that I've done in the first tranche um, with the, going for size. You know, we've both got included generals, and the difference is one Allied. But we're all we we're, we're trying to save nine points with command there. Um, I think Rich is right. I think the heavy knight, the German ally with the heavy knight impact, gives you a bit more control. And I do like the idea of the spear um although the spear are slightly at risk if they're facing a foot knight because the foot knight will chop it slightly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know. yeah. um i think it, it's kind of similar it's balanced and with you know you've got a bit of mounted you've got bowman on the outsides it's the balance of it that's the attraction there
0: yeah and what about and the um you know the stakes. Oh no, stakes is from fourteen fifteen, so it doesn't quite fit in this one um, as as a discussion anyway. But um, they just add more to the cost of a yeah, very expensive yeah.
2: drink, type.
0: In fact, maybe maybe even as a generic point, you know, stakes they give the enemy the opportunity to dismount, yeah, which sort of then neutralizes the longbowman, but but could force the enemy to dismount and lose lose manoeuvrability. What's what's your two views on on stakes? Are they are they worthwhile? Or is it always too much and and too little tactical flexibility?
1: I think if you go for a lot of longbowmen, so you don't have the heavy foot to protect them, then I think they're worth taking because even if your opponent dismounts, he goes he's now a heavy foot, but with only three cohesion. And if the longbowman can put a wound on the footnight, and they still have a reasonable chance of doing that because the foot knights are only advancing at two. So you should get three, maybe four shots at them. If you can put a wound on them at contact, you're zero all. Yep. And, True. you know, the longbowmen are elite. So, and it really, if it's in an open competition, what it helps hold off is, is the enemy mounted archers and, uh, and things like that. So, to me, it's a choice. If you're going for eight or more, I would go and you're going a longbow dominated army. I, I would take the chance and take them because not everybody brings dismounts. Um, if if you're going the minimum and you're relying on the heavy foot to protect them, which is a kind of earlier type army, then I wouldn't. You, yeah, you can't take them, but I wouldn't take
2: yeah. them. I, I completely agree. I think if, if, if you're going long, you know, big on the longbows, they're worthwhile i i wouldn't bother i've i've played with both versions with using french ordnance and thing um i think they just tend to make you too static you've got to keep the longbow close to some other to protect them and just use their shooting and make them dance if necessary or just accept that they can get run down at some point
0: it's, it's some of that because in this army it's an all or nothing option so you've got to Pay the points to to give everybody stakes, or you know, if you could, if you could ch- pick and choose and give some units stakes or, or or not, would would maybe you think about it differently? Is part of that thinking because it's all or nothing?
2: I think there's a, um, to, you know, in, in, The interesting thing with this army is there's a there's a, an assumption that it's a bit of a static, straightforward. But the way to play with it is to combine troops. You know. Here, Richard, in this list, is combined the heavy spear with the foot knights and the bowmen. So if you can go forward with a couple of bowmen and foots, a strong group of foots, you know, you're shooting in the foots, or you can go very wide with a lot of archers and, you know, create a huge amount of firepower. So you've got... You you can evolve and manoeuvre this army around by saying that both of us have got three, you know... Yeah. Two generals and no maneuverability whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, that, that... there is an opportunity to revolve some troops, move forward, shift one, bring the archers around the back. You know, there's there's some there's some interesting ways you can play this army.
0: Yeah, I, I guess those three big battles, those sort of static defensive battles, take so much of of everybody's attention that, that I think the point you made um earlier on, Dave, that a lot of these were sort of much smaller raiding actions, and there's a lot of small battles in the hundred years war that yeah. this is actually representing where they they would have been much more um, you know mobile or, or whatever and the fact that the french um volunteered to charge across a marsh in in the rain into a hail of longbows um That's three times incredible. um it was very gracious of them but um shouldn't necessarily um detract or, or mean that all of the other battles were kind of swept out of the way okay. this means war Well, look, let's um let's move on and look at the the third and, and final english list which is one that i've i've conjured together this one's a bit later um it's a 1415 um list and you know i've gone with let's use the toys let's use the longbow and let's use the stakes if you're going to have them um if you've got the option of doing it let's let's throw that out there and try and make this longbow first list and i think this is i suppose the question with this one is it's sort of a question I've, I've just asked really is is this an army that is for doing those big three battles and, and relies on some some degree of um, participation from the enemy in your plan um, or or how viable does it stand but but what I've gone here is is that much smaller the, the that kind of the lowest limit to which you can probably sensibly do a a um, a medieval army and a 19 um, it's a nine a five and a five um competent than two ordinaries again i've i've gone down the included route um for a couple of generals and gone with knights on foot as well but this is just all about getting the best quality stuff that you can really and and trying to get the enemy to commit to attack it and and relying on the sheer volume of shooting to see if that works. So, so my, um, my big command, um, really, you know, which is sort of probably ends up kind of central, but it, it's got the ability to go into terrain. I think with this one, you're trying to scatter terrain, all over the table, and and have lots of patches of terrain to cause maybe a more one dimensional enemy army, you know, little challenges of how do I deal with that spot there or that bit of rough or that plantation or, or, or whatever that might be in the middle. Um, you really want bits and pieces in the middle to disrupt a big solid line coming at you. Um, so the first command, the big one, the nine, um, you've got the um, the dismounted elite foot knight um, there. That's that's a solid, can't get better than that. Um, a spearman as well with armor to to sit next to them. I think there's, you know, you can, um, you can probably armor Argue the toss on on armor when you're fighting potentially some heavily armored knights, but but for the extra point, there's only so much extra you can do with it. Three elite longbowmen with stakes, they can operate with the foot, um, or the heavy foot, or they can with you know operate on their own. And actually, you stick them out on a wing um and they drop the stakes, it is driving off anybody else's cavalry. There's a crossbowman who sits with them who can who can support their shooting and you know in theory might be vulnerable but um but next to three of those long bowmen that should be enough to scare them off i again pad it out with the medium swordsman brigand taking that same theory that it's mediocre it's not great but against nothing <laughs> it's pretty good um and a light infantry javelin man to to dance around and do a bit of screening and and again that that medium cavalry impact it's quite a you know going into a flank i'm a big fan of medium cavalry in fact you know i i use a lot of arab armies with the mediocre ones you're anything that medium cavalry can't take on frontally you're not taking on frontally but there's a lot in this command to occupy the enemy do they look at the foot knights the spearmen the longbowmen they're dealing with shooting there's a little bit of stuff in terrain with the medium swordsman that medium cavalry can kind of sneak around and you hopefully the enemy forgets it's there and then it pops up by moving a lot faster than everything else um and it also gives you quite a good edge if you do come up against anybody's medium foot who who are unwise enough to venture into the open um and, and trying to chase down your longbowmen so it's it's a nice little counterpunch to that the the second command is is just kind of a textbook this is four longbowmen with stakes and a foot knight included general um he gives it resilience, but you're probably deploying the, the four longbowmen together. You could spin a couple of them off and, and send them off to, to really give you a massive amount of shooting on one flank and, and use it as a three and two. You could even drive it down a flank and and there's not much mounted is getting past five longbowmen and a foot knight um, either way. And, and once they pick up the stakes again, they're still moving three. They can get back into the middle quite quickly the third command is pretty much much the same a slight slight difference basically just shaving a few points off by having effectively the same command but instead of four long bowmen, it's got three um and a slightly cheaper crossbowman um really just otherwise it would be 18 which does start to completely scare me so um so this was saying but it, it does rely on getting your stakes down at the right time and and getting them up at the right time um, and getting some bits and pieces of terrain scattered around Um, and and each time you're looking at those groups of four longbowmen or three longbowmen and a crossbowman to put out enough firepower that it does blunt anybody else's attack and it, it does scare off anybody else's mounted and you know in in this period or in this small period you get the stakes down the the French are a bit stuck to to be honest so it's, it's a much more sort of textbook typical one but but that's that's kind of how it works so do know what what are your thoughts look you know it it's trying to be historical but I still sit here scratching my head thinking is it usable
1: I think there's a couple of other comments to add w- yeah. one particularly commands two and three you've got the choice of either grouping the archers or you could actually use them as a kind of early um renaissance heavy foot with with two firing wings mm. um which i think there's some evidence that the english deployed like that um mixing the crossbowmen in is particularly effective because if you are facing enemy foot knights there's still only protection of one against the crossbow
0: yeah and you let the crossbowmen take the lead on shooting and exactly
1: then... and with with then the, the longbowmen in in support so that that means even even the footnights aren't completely safe if you can concentrate your your fire on them because it does take them time to to grind forward so and,
0: and moving them in little groups too they've got they have that ability to to manage who they're shooting at quite quite easily
1: yes you know the disadvantage is as soon as the bowmen aren't in a group you're spending more points to deploy the stakes yeah so that's what you've got to weigh up and i think that's so it'll depend upon your opponent whether you want to keep whether you think you're very likely to use the stakes because you may end up never deploying the stakes mm. Be- it's a threat. i think the re- the thing that really neutralizes elite longbow is light infantry and i think what you find in this period is i mean there are a few armies like albanians or whatever but so many armies, people only take two or three light foot. Yeah. And if, if an elite longbow is firing at any heavy troops, it, it's amazing the factors. You know, you're shooting at spearmen on a on a zero, but you're elite. So you know, you can you can very quickly pile on the pressure on an opponent.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that's right. And, and again, particularly if we're looking in this mini-period you you look down that french list and um and there's two light infantry that's it that's all they're allowed so yes. those two light infantry are going to struggle to stand in front of um well whatever this is um 10 longbowmen and two crossbowmen aren't they they're, they're going to have to be dodging doing a bit of dodgeball left right and center to catch all those arrows before exactly. it hits their heavy foot and if they
1: dismount then they're slower and the longbow can just back up out of the way
0: Dave, what's what's your thought?
2: I think you're going to be defend. You're going to go for a defending in forest here, aren't you?
0: Yeah. No. Just, just, well, I'm not sure. Probably not forest, actually. Um, I think plains just gives you much more opportunity of fields because yes. once you get into forests and plantations, you're taking minus one for shooting out of them,
2: sure. which yeah, yeah, which isn't yeah.
0: as good. So you really want you know your brush, your scrub, your fields to yeah. um, to get these longbowmen just marching through and making it very obvious where other people have got to funnel stuff stuff through and perhaps you're not even opposing it in a way
2: in the army you know you need to cut down the amount of terrain as possible yeah and you know forests, and and then i, I if if you were going forest i would then try and sneak the two elite lightfoot javelin in just to sort of give you some sort of terrain troops. but that's my feeling on that yeah um, but
0: i wonder if you know if you're trying to do that you're trying to to get around the flanks of a, of a different army and break it up and actually you want yeah. people to think oh sod it i'll have a go at the longbowmen." um yeah. in a way um you you want to make them look vulnerable in some ways having the um the crossbowman in that group of four um and having one without the stakes who's not elite makes them perhaps look vulnerable enough to try and have a go at um in, in some yeah. strange way
2: i think the other comment i said rich richard's comment about If you have two archers together and they can maneuver themselves so they're picking on one target, rather what you want is you don't want a row of archers all shooting at their own individual target. What you want is two archers ganging up together and fight. So if you've got a knight in the open and you can get two longbowmen shooting at him, you've got plus one shooting mounted, plus one for a mate. And you're a longbow. You're going to knock that knight down very, very quickly. And then when that knight comes in, um, it's you're you actually getting to a point where it's an evens fight.
0: Yeah, and, and um, I guess that's the um, that's sort of the micro version of the that sweeping arc of of longbowmen that the the French so obligingly charged into so many times as well.
2: You know, I mean, moving around in you know you've got there's two options with bowmen, longbowmen, whichever bowmen gang them up in a big group where they should kick out a lot of shooting or split them up into penny packets where two of them operate together yeah that's a really good trick yeah there's
0: there's some more options with it for sure okay then well look that's um that's three of the english let's um let's move on and have a look at the french Okay, well, look, we've covered the English. Um, always best to do the winners first, I guess. Or oh, no, no, I suppose by the end of it, they weren't the winners, were they? Um, but both sides get to win. What a great, what a great campaign! But let's look at the French, which on the paper, you know, on the surface of it, is an army with a lot more options to it. It doesn't um, draw your eye to you're supposed to be using longbow, um, and, and it's got some very good quality mounted units, um, but it's it's thinking about fighting an opponent who's optimized to deal with that, which does present kind of a an unusual challenge in, um, in drawing up a list. But Dave, let's have a look at yours um, first. You've got a 1429 list with, um, I can see you've actually put some proper generals in. You've even gone proper full-on strategist, um, Joan of Arc, I imagine. Uh, yep, yep, there she is. And you've got a 13 of five and a, um, a teeny tiny four there um, in your um, 22 unit initiative 2, 1429, years old French army. So, you know, did you enjoy doing this one more? Was there more toys to choose from? Did you, um
2: of that, do you feel it's a better list or is it still as hamstrung as, as some of the others? Well, this one, this one actually took to a competition. We had a one day competition in central London. Okay. And I, I designed it because I thought I want to use Jean d'Arc. Yeah. i actually played um, uh, Tommy from Ireland in the competition In he bought foot knights, which I kind of dismissed in the past. And I mm-hmm. thought, well, I want to copy that and have a go with it. So I came up with this list in that sort of instance. And um, it came a cropper as soon as it got oh, right. <laughs> <nights>. in my mounted knights. In fact, okay. four, five mounted knights uh, ran straight over my foot knights, which was a bit of a shock. Mm. Um, but I thought I'd found some tricks for that. So it, it, against the mounted, it wasn't good. But I think it's a fun army. I think it's fairly ac- it's fairly accurate for the historical period and things. Has it,
0: it kind of been designed thinking about the English army
2: as an opponent in mind? Is there a bit of that or is it just a more uh, generic one? It's trying to be sort of generic. And, but I want, the, the one thing I, I mean, I was actually trying to think about fighting mounted. OK, but, it, but I, that didn't work at all. In right. the first command, you see there's a light artillery. And my idea was the light artillery sits in the line with the foot knights. And any knights that come close, you go up and try and shoot them down. But that just didn't work at all. Light artillery didn't work at didn't all. Work. Well, look, run, run us through. Talk us through what's in each command line by line, then, and
0: um, we'll we'll have a look at it.
2: Sure. I mean, so the third core, core three, is two heavy cavalry impacts and two crossbowmen mediocre, that's that's a you know, the st- standard micro command that can go down first to try and get a look at where the opponents are, or it can go into an ambush, or it can go into a flank march, or it can, you know, do one of the above to try and make the enemy think what's going on. Um, again, because I've got a strategist, I've got three opportunities for an ambush. You, know, you, you want to put all three ambushes down to sort of make your opponent think about what's going on. And that, yeah, yeah, the idea is to make the make the enemy put the enemy on the sort of uh, back foot as much as you can. Um, okay. The second command is to hold a flank as much as anything, because you've got some uh, crossbowmen there, you've got a couple of knights on foot, and you've got a heavy knight's impact, which, as Richard said in the last comment, you can sit him behind the line just to threaten. Keep, yeah, you, know, you know, to be able to pull out and you know, fill a hole or, or spring out from behind and use mm. it's more maneuverability to,
0: yeah. So, so two, so two knights on foot are solid. Um, two crossbowmen yeah. gives you decent shooting, and the heavy knight either makes it five wide. And it's that's yeah. you've got paper, scissors, and stone in there. None of them are, are massive, but there's just a little bit of everything,
2: isn't there? Exactly. And the crossbowman with the pavese is going to be doing the shooting with the mediocre guy helping him and the knight is there to almost protect, he can operate to protect the crossbowmen if he can as well. Then you've got the main um, force which on dark is a strategist. And the, the idea of this was that she's going to be using her strategy points to try and rally up troops in combat. You know, that was the, the thinking behind this. Um, you've got a couple of you sit behind the lines of plug holes, you've got two crossbowmen, again, to sit on a flank, again, one with a pavise is fairly bulletproof, with a mediocre friend to help him with shooting. And then it's the foot knights that are going to do the fighting, along with a heavy swordsman two handed weapon. You've got a light foot to protect things and add shooting somewhere. And I've never used a light artillery. So the idea was to try and see what that did and it didn't do very much. Didn't at do all. much.
0: So yeah, five five foot knights, two of them elite, is pretty solid. And then adding another couple of heavy swordsmen with two handed weapon gives you, you know, a seven combat frontage with two handed weapons, which I think Richard, your um your spear heavy English army is not going to be massively happy about that, I'd imagine. <laughs> but, uh, um No,
1: I mean to me this army is gonna be brilliant against any foot army and probably most cavalry armies. But it, its weakness is it doesn't have much of a response to mounted knights, because it doesn't really have the firepower to stop them, and it doesn't have the spearmen or the pikemen to hold them off. Um, and as Dave said, that's 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 its Achilles' heel. But other than that, it's got a lot going for it. And no army, no army is great against everyone. So.
2: <laughs> I, I yeah, completely. I with that i mean my idea was with the first command is that you normally face enemies with four elite knights you know that's the usual sort of command so i was thinking right okay i'm at least six or seven wide and i'm trying to negate his ability his his impact ability by having a bit more width and if he does break through i'll try and plug the hole with levy and also, I was also trying to think, I'll almost sacrifice the light artillery in the line to a knight to try and beat the other knights coming through, so. But it, yeah, it, you that... um, you
0: yeah, <laughs> But paying or eking out somewhere the extra four points to make that light of into to a heavy could um, could make quite a difference. Because I find heavy, um, you, you do still shoot quite a long way and, and there's such a big psychological barrier yeah. for other people. But, but is this an army that goes forwards um, too much to you know really use that? Um, I don't know. Initiative two. Are,
2: are you thinking about moving this forwards or? Yeah, the, the light artillery shoots at four. Yeah. So you're trying to sort of get one shot in popper, a, a knight to give your foot knights a bit more of an advantage. That that was the that was the, the idea. Theory. And as I say, you know, you're almost going to sacrifice that light artillery to the knight. All right, it will go straight through and pop out the other side. But you're going to, you know, try and hold it. it, it, it I'm just trying to give my foot knights more ability to win against the mounted. Was was the theory about yeah. that? And then if I'm yeah. fighting another foot knight army, I, I think I'm I'm pretty damn strong.
0: Yeah, quite possibly. You well, know, certainly against another foot knight army, you'd be very strong. Richard, what's what's your thoughts on that one? No,
1: I I think as I've said, I mean it. It's it's got quite a long line, um, you know. There's a nice mix. The heavy cavalry impact isn't that great head-on against knights, but against a lot of other things, it'll give them a hard time. It's a nice little flank march command. But as I say, in, in, even in a medieval period where you might face a lot of medium or or heavy knights, I I would worry about its ability to, to stop, you know, even, even a few. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, but in this late later version, you can't have any spearmen. Um, and, but I think it's at the end of the day, you know that so if you're facing a mounted knight army, you just have to deploy very defensively,
0: and put yeah. down the terrain,
1: <laughs> and put down the terrain. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, just hide. Okay. All right, interesting one. Well, let's um let's flick on and have a look at the next one. This means war. This means war. So Richard this is your um french army you've you've picked another reasonably early date you've gone before that sort of 1400 option which um means i'm th- six, 1367 so as i'm looking at this i'm probably looking for those spears um and yep there they are you've also got 22 um your initiative's is a stellar one here that you've achieved through two competent <laughs> generals spread out in your your 10 um your um It says four but I think it might be five because there's five troops in it um that might be an error on the spreadsheet and an eight which possibly means it's 23 um if, if those maths are correct and um 23 not 22 um weird spreadsheet error there but um so talk us through through this and how you put this together and what how you see this fighting
1: so this is an army kind of designed for an imperial battle against the English um the thing I like about the Pavise is that it comes into effect after the normal missile adjustment. So it gives your heavy spearmen a protection of one against longbow and two against crossbow, um, which means that it really toughens you up against their shooting, or if you are facing Huns or Mongols or somebody a- against mounted shooting. Um, it's got enough footnights with them to be able to inflict pain on the enemy so and and then enough shooting to stop somebody just hanging around in front of you being annoying. So I think the, uh, the idea, you know, you'd put Command 2 in the centre, that's five heavy foot. Um, depending on where the rough terrain fell, Commands 1 and 3 would either put their heavy foot next to it or they're shooting next to it uh if, if if it was one massive line of heavy foot then the three crossbow on on each end would be there to hold off enemy mounted or to lap round and bring fire to bear to shoot in the long line of of heavy foot yeah and then, you've, got,
0: you've got 11 is it 11 heavy foot there you've got five in that central command three knights on yeah. foot two heavy spearmen and then it looks like two knights on foot and a heavy spearman, again, all with pavis in, in either flank command. So, yes, that's that's quite a big frontage, isn't it? That, of, um, of quite tough old stuff. It is. And you've
1: got the two heavy knights on the flanks, which can either extend that line or be a flank or hold for breakthroughs. And then, you know, you've got four troops in each flank um, or five in, in the first command able to go in. The Genoese elite crossbowman is also quite nice for for softening up heavy foot knights, or or you know is quite intimidating to enemy mounted knights. Uh, again, that pavise just means if you're facing longbow, they're, they're not complete fodder. Um, so so that was really the the concept of it, and I think uh, you know I think there's only one light infantry. So actually, as you say, just correct the spreadsheet error. And, uh, and um, it's I think there's 23 units of which 22 can go in the battle line. So that's, I think that's quite tasty.
0: Yeah, that, that's almost kind of a, you know, as you say, it matches up against the English because, well, you've got a central that's that's all combat troops, that five. But but the other ones are kind of three heavy foot who go in and fight and three shooting troops, Crossbow, Crossbow Pavice, Crossbow Pavice Elite. So you are using those um all arms formations of three shooters, three combat infantry, and then a heavy night impact as kind of a reserve or a um having a second go at paper, scissors, stone, depending yep. on what you're fighting um as well. Um, and you've still got quite a lot of the French nobility there. You you've got the four, five, oh, well, you actually got seven of them as well. So you're you are using the French nobility, but by this time they've clearly learnt to get off their horses um and and start marching towards the sounds of the longbows. Now, Dave, what's um what's your thoughts looking at
2: this one? Um, I like the idea of the crossbow pavise elite. I think that's you know, that's a really interesting troop type. Um I think those crossbow working together are going to be quite powerful. You know, the only danger is the mediocre guy, but you've got to keep him out of the way. He's just going to add on the shooting. And I do also like the having one mounted knight working behind the line or just as a, as a reserve is a very good thing to... So I think it's very balanced. And, and you know, you've, you've got 23 bases and we've actually this time managed to have two generals who are not completely included and things like that. So it's going to have a little bit of advantage on some things. Um, although other things may just grind straight through the center, but it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Interesting. This means war.
0: All right, well, look, let's, um, let's flick on and, and look at the third one then. 100 years war French, I've gone a bit later still 1399. Um, and, and again, you know, this, this awesome initiative of one um, achieved by cobbling together a couple of competent generals. But, but this is, this is picking up the coin and, and flicking it over and, and I think Richard where you've got heads, um, I'm going tails with this one. Um, and This is just saying, actually, sometimes with these, these armies when you get um you know when you look down the list and you get a a gift of 12 of the best knights possible um that's a way to use it and um having a lot of knights having that many all elite if you so wish knights in an army is such a, a rare thing that there is a strategy of saying do what the French did and um and go big on on what the army list is just very good at and um you know it's it's a great um, army for socializing in the bar uh, because you're going to maximize the 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 red wine drinking time uh, or or the cider depending if you're from parts of Normandy or something like that but this is yeah it's literally looking at it going they're good at that let's just double down on that really so it's a 20 um a six a nine and a five so yeah, the, the two smaller commands are, are pretty straightforward. You've got four impetuous heavy knights, elite, a couple of light tree crossbow to, to screen them possibly, um, and an ordinary included unreliable general. But that's four impetuous elite knights, and you're going to have to deal with that. Um, it's, it becomes not my problem quite quickly. The, the other one is a, um, a more sophisticated version of that um barely more sophisticated it's two um impetuous heavy knights elite couple of uh sorry one valet which is the heavy cavalry impact so so the two knights can scare a lot of people off but that that heavy cavalry is okay but it gives you an extra thing it can get around a flank and a couple of light infantry javelin elite the days, who can who can either screen or as we've said before in this kind of mini theme they're still pretty good in rough terrain you know it the two of them are going to have a staring match with um, with your mediocre swordsman i think at some point um, and then the um, the monstrous um competent general nine strong um uh, central command and i say central but it's still pretty similar um you know i'm taking three elite impetuous knights and two more non-impetuous knights that's just a points thing but um i've included the general so across the army you've got four five six seven eight nine you've got eleven of the twelve um impetuous knights which you're just hurling at someone um this is a block of five the textbook for for all of us the crossbowman mediocre and the the elite crossbowman pervis operating to to shoot them in and give them a little bit of extra support um the two um mediocre swordsmen um, who lurk Lurk in the rough terrain, um, possibly ganging up with the um, the Light Tree javelin as well. But but they're sort of padding because this is just all about picking a place to put twelve impetuous heavy knights, um, of which sorry eleven impetuous heavy knights, nine of which are elite, um, two of which have got included generals, and and rolling the dice and and overwhelming people. And um, as long as the army pears, bears bears um, very careful attention to the weather forecast. And um, has a as an awareness of the impact of rough terrain on mounted troops attacking longbowmen with stakes. Um, it's it's going to be doing what it does, and um, you're stacking. You know, you are sort of committing it to the dice, but you're stacking up the odds pretty much as well as you can with with all those elites and all those embedded generals.
1: Yeah, I think certainly it's going to be a fun army to play, and um, yeah, get, getting your deployment right. Because the thing about those kind of armies is they're very hard to redeploy. But I think you just have to make a plan. And even if the odds don't favour you, stick to your plan, charge in and hope that the elite and all the heavy armour and so on win you the day. Um, as you say, it's hard to argue with. It's, um, and it moves fast enough and strikes hard enough that even if an enemy overlaps you on the flanks that they may not have long enough to actually hurt you you may have broken through by the time they're in a position to exploit that
0: yeah i think you know this would have a go even even at the center of most of these armies um you know i I think even going back all the way to the the first one with the um the low countries those five those four mediocre spearmen are are probably the thing that they shy away from sorry mediocre pikemen it's probably what they'd shy away from but most of the rest of the stuff because of the heavy armor well because the heavy armor and because they're all impetuous so you've actually got no choice so you might as well rationalize to yourself that it's a sensible option um you you just charge at it anyway (laughs) and give it a go and um roll the dice and this is this feels like the you know the flower of french nobility this is this is the way to do the army and, um, and hope that they just get a better weather forecast than they did um, in the, the three historical battles to see if they get a different outcome. Dave, yeah. what do you think of it?
2: Um, I think it, it it just does what it says on the tin. It's a French knight army. Um, I played a game, a medieval game last night with Simon Ray Mayer. He took feudal English. I think he had nine knights in total, but you've got more here. And... You know, if you put command one and command two together where you've got four, seven, nine knights rolling down the table, that's going to be more than anything can really withstand as long as in the open. You've got enough medium foot to sit and occupy the wings, enough to give enough time for the knights to do their thing and hopefully win you the game. Um, You may have to mark a piece of terrain at some point with a knight or two you know, if, if you've got a piece of terrain which is problematic, what you're going to have to do is keep a knight just outside of shooting distance, but prevent any opponent's troops coming out of that terrain whilst yeah. you shoot into it with your crossbowmen, just to occupy that whilst the rest of it. Um, you, you're going to fight in planes, I assume, and uh, just take a, a tiny little field and a road. Yeah,
0: no, you, you want this kind of you know pretty bald or possibly one lump of terrain so you don't want the enemy to be able to squirt out the way completely yeah. you want to to have a, a good idea but you also want to stretch their their heavy infantry line a little bit so that that you can start to force yourself into fighting against their mounted and, and their knights so very simple um i wouldn't say idiot proof because i'm sure i could have a go at um disproving that theory but um it, it does what it does on, says on the tin What really messes
1: up this kind of army is if the opponent manages to get a large piece of terrain roughly Mm -hmm. in the Mm centre so that the knights have to charge past it and that you can threaten the flanks of a group of four or five knights as they go past. You know, you can't stop 11 knights, but if the enemy can use terrain to break you up into smaller packets... That that's when you get into trouble with this kind of army.
0: Yeah, and no, I've I've struggled with that. Um, I think using my Hungarians online um recently as well. And I think I somebody had a Swiss ally and they um the that group of halberdiers sat in terrain right down the middle. Um I think back in DBM days, it used to be called a bow motorway, didn't it? The, um that extended straight down the middle of the table that your bowmen would just march down. But I, I suppose here, having having thought about that and learning it you're probably just feeding that terrain um the two mediocre swordsmen and and the two crossbowmen to an extent and and kind of expecting that they're going to lose but if if they occupy and stop stuff leaping out of the terrain um the knights are past it and, and you've just got to accept those those three four units as attrition and hope that the rest of the army doesn't concede 20 hits before it rolls over <laughs> something. And, uh, you know, the clock is ticking on it, and, and that's what it's got to do.
2: I think when we began playing, we were all going with heavy knight armies, and we kind of dismissed them over time, because we sort of realised that there's a lot more subtlety to the game than we thought. And then I remember Dan took to the world to an incredibly large French impetuous knight army and did very, very well with it and you have to re examine it again after
0: that sort of thing. yeah no it's 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 different paper scissors stone i think it, if you've got into a habit of expecting everybody to turn up with clever you know combined arms armies and then someone does turn up with a, a one-dimensional thing um again you know talking the first time we all went to um shallaw um for the worlds and um i had a horrendous time against a an italian lad with um with that scots army and which i'd yeah. never seen before that had 15 mediocre pikemen that it just threw at me and i couldn't deal with that at all (laughs) it was like why didn't why didn't we all thought of these one-dimensional armies we're all trying to be clever um so i think there is that element of surprise and and actually i'm I'm slightly sort of surprised there's so many different ways of of pulling these two lists together i think you with the english you get drawn to the longbow because that's the iconic thing and i think with the french you get drawn to the knights because that's the iconic thing but but as we said at the start, there's a lot of earlier, smaller battles and chevaché, was it? You know, the, the big mounted raids and, and things which went on outside the three battles in 100 years. And these lists are actually quite good for simulating those on a on a pretty small scale, really. You know, the, the scalability of the rule set means that some of these small bands of 20, 40 knights and a couple of hundred spearmen and some crossbowmen and... You, you can be recreating that as much as you can be recreating Cressy Pratier, um, you know the big the big three battles. So it's it's kind of been an interesting exercise actually.
1: As, um, as always, I think it shows that every list, if you focus on one list at a time, it's amazing what you find.
0: Yeah <laughs> very much so very much so well look, let's um, let's move on and, and have a look at some of the figures. Look, we've covered six army lists there three of each and um possibly found something quite decent for it the the way that we normally wrap these up is to to have a quick chat of the um, about the figures for it and um i don't know are these armies that that you guys have collected uh, is it one we, we talked about it as being a classic list I, I think i've sort of collected it but as part of a more generic medieval um piece but um are, are these armies that you own a
1: bit a bit the same i i've got a whole mix of late medieval figures that i sometimes use as these armies but i've also used as german and condottieri
2: i've got a lot of um, longbow from a fog am army uh, in, in fog the uh hundred years war english was quite good you could use the longbowman as a sort of like miniature um sherman tank running around in groups of fours or sixes or something so yep. i've got a whole drawer full of um longbowmen so i've got the longbowmen and i built up a donnington army from having donnington's longbow very very pretty and yeah they, they produced that that's one of their first new era ranges wasn't it i think yeah they're very very good with the padded uh jackets and the things so i really like them so my my basic medievals are all donnington uh, they do a they do a very nice French knight's dying. Right. I There's think a they also do a, a, a Joan of
0: Arc figure, although... Um... I,
2: I've got the Joan of Arc figure. That's one yeah. of the intrigues with the, the banner. Yeah, um, Damien's banners are very, very nice. I really like his banners. His banner sheets are researched. They give you all the sort of explanation. They explain who's who in the army. So I bought okay. the Jean d'Arc banner and I've got a Jean d'Arc figure. Is that you know i, I actually built the, the list we did in this with the i mean i thought i've never used a foot knight army hmm. let's have john dark as a strategist let's put some artillery let's put some really strange toys into it and see where we get to And yeah. I
0: really are the um you know is it fair to say that the the mounted and the the foot knights here are or, sh- or should be noticeably different from generic late medieval knights and um and dismounts or, or is it once they get dismounted they they look all pretty much the same all the way up to the end of the period in um in 15 mil with black undercoat and some dry brush I, I think unfair? it
1: depends how much of a purist you are yeah. in that if you are a purist the Poitiers Crassy era the mid 14th century have the heraldic um Dupons, you know which are the they're the tight-fitting um, heraldry oh, over okay. their over their armor, rather than the looser 13th-century um, surcoats. Whereas, as you move into the 15th century, everybody just tends to be in bare metal.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And and so it's much easier in the 15th century. You know, anybody you can be anything. But really, you know, if you're doing Poitiers or Cressé, you should paint up all the heraldry on on actually on okay. the figures
0: but in terms of figures though it's it's the difference between flowing robes but these should be much more the heraldry should be painted almost straight onto the the figure's chest if you like it was it was just tight it, it, exactly
1: it's just a tight a tight surcoat actually that actually fits over the armor and the difference as well is in the 14th century you tend to have more of the pointed bassinet with the raisable visor Whereas as you go into the fifteenth century, you get more of the sallet type with the single sort of right. cylon radar <laughs> uh, exactly. slit. You
0: have the, a light behind it, going backwards <laughs> and forwards, or something like that, like Kit from Knight Rider, or something. Yeah. Like. yeah, yeah, No, I think I think I've got that. Quite a lot of those Donington figures, and they've got a lot of a lot of different variety in it. I think that's the ones where the um, the mounted figures come with separate lances, and they have a little plate that slides down the lance to be yeah. the the kind of the, the membrane, brace yeah yeah the man brace that, that comes as a separate one but then then I also mix in a load of the really quite nice museum dismounted knights and, and things like that. Um, yes. Is it is it reasonable with this one? Because I think again I've got some longbowmen who are um their old glories um old glory's got kind of a sub brand for their medieval stuff. Um, I. I can't remember, is it called Battle Honours or something? There's a sort of 15 mil sub-brand that's not normal old glory. that um, I've got some, but they're in the Heraldry. They don't have those ribbed, padded um, tops. And, and looking at the 25 mil figures, where I guess it's very hard to look past the Perry box set of plastics, they do that medieval, late medieval archers and... Um, Mercenaries as a set, and longbowmen for the War of the Roses. But then they also do a separate one for the Hundred Years' War with all the the ribbed um, kind of puffer puffer jacket um, stuff. Um, was that that sort of puffer puffer jacket thing for this whole period, or would they have gone towards the more um, you know heraldry, one side red, one side blue, that that sort of um, thing over the top of it by the end of this period? We well, that,
1: that really is getting into the 1450s and the War of the Roses right. with, with the with the livery on it. Um, and just a straight sort of quilted Akaton is more 14th century. What you tend to see as you go through time is that the longbowmen start wearing more armour. So there's quite a lot of images with people as they as they capture stuff off the French right. The longbowmen okay. start wearing it. So you see okay. them. in in, uh in male jackets in male hoods in even plate armor on their legs um as long as as long as the body can move yeah uh, um and, and you know so what one of the tricky things again they're already expensive so why would you make them armored but when you look at some of the pictures um you know these guys are what would qualify as a as a medium knight in yeah. terms of the terms kit of they're wearing
0: yeah well maybe that's you know maybe that's the question was we all sit here and speculate at this the time we're recording this we're probably a a few months away from seeing version four um i wonder if there's a theory that that there's a scope to do long slightly differently because there's, there's always that question about should they have melee capability or or should they have armor, or or does that just stop them working because they're too expensive? Are, is there any tweaks that would make longbowmen work more like longbowmen? Uh, I
1: think it's fairly good as as it is. Um, the they clearly weren't hand to hand experts no. the way janissaries were. Yeah, but clearly they were perfectly happy once the knights were knocked over to go up and stick a sword in their head, in in their visor yeah. or to capture them yeah um and i think simply by being elite they you know if you put an elite longbowman in hand to hand combat with a medium swordsman they will win 40% of the time
2: yeah huh. so damage the other guy on the way in
1: <laughs> and if they've damaged the guy on the way in they will win 60% of the time yeah,
0: yeah well maybe maybe it's then um it's just that inability to actually charge opponents maybe they um well no th- can bowmen charge damaged opponents though i'm trying to remember the rules here i think they can um
1: they certainly can in the flank i'm yeah, not sure
0: about yeah. frontally they, yeah, they
2: can charge other bowmen who are disordered frontally
0: right. or something okay you know. but it's
1: also they can also charge if the is an overlap. So one of the tricky yeah. things by having the medium swordsman, even if it's mediocre, you put him in and then all your bowmen can go in.
0: You'll <laughs> <Just, laughs> pile in as well to support him. Okay. So that does work in that combined arms thing then. All right. And then um, then I guess the other one in terms of figures, there's obviously the, um, the new plastic um, version of the um, Corvus Belli range, which is, it's kind of a cute range. They've got, um, they're nice figures, but with that, wash of cuteness that um maybe the donington ones are a bit more you know really person real personally uh, but there's a there's a cute dimension to the corvus belli ones and um, in fact i think somewhere i think i've um i've cooked up a list using that um that specific um box set to see if there's something there that um that can be done however i'll see if i can why you see look if for I
1: can... those see if I, I just I want to plug yeah
0: yeah, who else like
1: in for Essex, because okay. I think this is this is one of the periods where I really like their figures. You know, particularly yeah. you perhaps don't necessarily need all all the animation for a heavy yeah. knight on horse. True, uh, and I, I have a lot lot of theirs, and yeah, they they are a bit vanilla, but I think I I really I really like them for this period.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think I agree with that. I think the Essex—I I did an Essex uh, Hussite army with Essex, and the foot knights, even the mounted knights, they can be a bit splayed out with their arms out wide and things, and, and the lances can be a bit chunky. But I think the foot knights are really nice. And uh, I think a lot
0: of this is is about painting. Certainly on the longbow side of it, is about getting a good sort of two-tone, dark and light, sort of stripes to paint the vertical ribbed jackets and, and getting that effect but I think Essex Essex their bowmen do have quite a mix of people who start to have some of the armor as well. So you can get yes. get some good mix in from the Bowman and, and you're cramming quite a few on a base. I guess with with ADLG where you're doing square bases as well, 40 by 40, you get away from having to have two exact ranks as well. Yes if you're you know you you can put them in a, a mass behind some stakes or something and, and space them all irregularly and and those Essex ones are quite quite slim so when yep. they're they're in their firing position you you can fit them staggered at quite a lot of different ways on the bases next to each other and and get that real sense of a massive bowman. I th- I think you could probably fit 10 I guess if you really wanted to to go for it and create a, the impression of a real solid line of of people there with those Essex figures
1: um, I think having them offset really makes them look much much more realistic yeah i really
0: like
2: that it's one of the things i love about adlg really yeah you you know it's so good to put in loads and loads of uh banners as well Mm. a medieval army would have a lot of banners and that can make them really pretty yeah
0: because i think the um here we go Here's, here's the list i found so the um that corvus belli set according to what's on the the psc website it's it's pretty heavily geared to, to a different rule set obviously but and that means there's an awful lot of longbowmen um and an awful lot of um, of foot sort of halbery billmen. Um, and it's it's a bit difficult to see from the description what exactly you've actually got there um, because the troop types don't kind of match and there's almost no mounted and I think we've all thought you know you do need the light infantry or the the two hobelars to give you. A bit of paper scissors stone or possibly the couple of the knights or something but so this is this is but this is literally for I think it used to be 35 quid it's now gone up to 40 quid their their box set um not a great list but it is 40 quid um which is about I think it'd be about 52 if you bought it from from Essex or something so it's only about a 10 a difference. Um, but so this would be a command you can cobble together and you've got stick the strategist in that's partly just to get the points up <laughs> because you sort of need need to do it um two foot knights um a halberdier and four longbowmen in your first shooting and mixed um mixed command um a foot knight well sorry two foot knights a halberdier and three longbowmen in in your next command with a, a competent included general and then two spearmen who could be billmen i guess um with armor and a couple of longbowmen so you're using 11 longbowmen there um is it 11 no sorry um four five six seven eight nine longbowmen because i think there's nearly 54 in the packet um or officially to do it which it's not a great list um i think you'd probably end up spending the 25% discount on metal figures on on extra figures to make it into a proper list anyway, um, and you would get some wastage on on the longbowmen and and possibly the halberdiers but there's there's something there. Um, and I think again, you know it's got way too much command just to soak up points because there's just not not quite 200 points there, but this was more an exercise in perhaps perhaps give the long bowman um, perhaps give the long stakes and drop some of the command points there if you were if you only had this set of figures to play with um i don't know how how bad a list is this really if you guys are looking at it,
2: it i mean it's it's pretty weak because it's only 17. Yeah. I, I like the corvus belly figures yeah. i remember looking them years ago for my medievals and the halberdier is a really nice figure as are the longbowmen and um, as you say they're only the only weaknesses you don't have quite enough of the range to bring in the light foots and some other yeah. pieces. the knights sort of look a bit odd, i think <laughs> um yeah from what remember but i i the halberdiers i really like them
0: yeah i suppose it's fi- you know it's finding troops that if you really want to go for the same style troops that that match those slightly cartoonish style but you know there's there's the bones of a list there but um but because there's not quite there's too many longbowmen probably in the packet for us and um and then you end up needing to buy extras anyway so so that pricing difference isn't quite as much as it is but but it's an interesting option if anybody wants to to kick off and get started with this one um i guess and his army <laughs> yeah uh, and a, a good start on the army this means war Okay, well, I think that's rattled through all of those then. And, um, yeah. you know, I think, Richard, you, you said earlier, the more you stare at a list, the better it is, or the better chance you have of actually finding something half decent in it. And I think we all probably started this one thinking these are all a bit rubbish. Um, I'm not sure if we've managed to convince ourselves that that we might think about using some of these yet. Um, but The French one, I are... would. I
1: mean, I've seen Hubert use them a lot. And... Yeah. I've found it very hard. I mean, I find it hard to beat him anyway. But he, yeah. <laughs> he plays the French a lot, both mounted and dismounted, and um, he he's really got some good ideas on on how to use them. Um, the English, um, I, I just think the, the War of the Roses version yeah. tends to be better. Yeah. Um yeah you don't get the german ally but but you get some cheaper versions of the troops and and you you just get you know i i just feel happier i think looking at that. Yeah. And if you're going with Perry I think it's easier to do the figures and morph them to other things so yeah i, they fit I would be more completely. tempted to go to do a to do a 1450 army rather than a 1415 army. Yeah. I'd I
2: definitely I think that Joan of Arc army again. I think that's yeah. quite. There's something in that army as long as you don't get ridden down by mounted knights.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think with the Perry stuff, the way I'd um, I'd approach it is, I'd just use the Wars of the Roses longbowmen anyway and um, plop yes. them on table for this and hope that no one notices or complains. Um, I don't. <laughs> it's like
1: <laughs> most people. Most of the people we play yeah. don't have enough history. Yeah. To to, to know those finer points. Well, well to and be I, honest,
0: neither, neither did I before we started this conversation so yeah, um i certainly don't
1: care yeah. i mean if some if somebody uses something completely outrageous yeah i get a bit sniffy yeah but having you two know, different like using sets an elephant of to be a knight but
0: But having two different sets of longbowmen for for because they wore their jackets in a slightly different way 50 years apart is um is probably going a step too far even for for our extensive and aggressive purchasing campaign
1: yes
0: Yes, indeed. And on that note, um, we will we will love you all and leave you. So goodbye from all of us. Thank you.